All right, it's good to see you all. How were the tamales? I don't know whether it's more tamales or popcorn. Maybe the licorice, too. So I got a little bit of a hum here. I'll wait for that to get fixed. Um, congratulations for just being here tonight, amen? The enemy likes nothing more than to mess with us around the holidays, right? Make us feel sorry for ourselves. You know, maybe get a little melancholy. Get in one of those moods. You know what I'm talking about, ladies right over here? Yeah? Uh-huh, yeah. I always tease the girls because we have these early morning classes, and I, like, they are not morning people. So, but by the end of class, they're all smiling, and so I just have to be patient. So, uh, Hector, congratulations. It is hard to believe that it was that many years ago that he walked into the door just getting out of prison. And he's right. We butted heads hard, butted chests a few times, had a few yelling matches. But what we realized is we both had the same goals in common. We both loved the Lord. We both wanted to change. And, I, and I'm including myself, too. Because once you, don't, once you get saved, you don't just stop. You want to continue to grow in the Lord. You want to continue to grow in leadership. You want to continue to grow in faith. You want to continue to grow in the word. You want to continue to be able to give what has freely been given to you. Amen? Amen. So one of the, I, was, I woke up this morning and I knew time would be short today. And so I, I, I didn't want to continue in the book of Romans today. I thought, what Bible verse stood out to me as a new believer? And it was Jeremiah 29.11. And I, that is a classic coffee mug, T-shirt, greeting card, calendar, right? Verse. Sign in the bathroom. That's right. So the title of my devotional is The Plan. Because when you get out of jail or prison or rehab or detox, you say, so what's the plan? That's what your family wants to know, right? So what is the plan this time? What are... What are you going to do? You know, because we, you know, we, don't wanna, we don't want to show that we're weak and let somebody do it. We want people to think that we did it, right? It's, it's a sign of weakness to think that we let somebody that we can't even see, touch, or feel did it for us, right? And like Hector said, real men cry, right? Real women cry. Real men admit that they don't have it all under control, Real humans admit they need help, and we can turn to God, and we can say that we don't know what we're doing. We can say, I have no plan, right? It's like when you're driving, and your wife says, and this, because Michelle and I used to drive back in the days before cell phones, honey, will you stop and buy a map? Oh, that would start an argument. I know where I'm going. I don't need a map, right? I remember many of those trips. I, don't, I know where I'm going. I used to live here when I was like four, you know? <laughs> so finally, you stop and you get a map, you know? And then GPS came out, the early GPS. It would tell you to, to make a turn, and then when you did, it would give you a happy ding, right? 
to let you know, good boy, you know? So it's okay to say, I don't have a plan. I, I don't know what I'm doing. If you, Jeremiah 20:11 was one of the first scriptures that somebody read to me, that somebody explained to me, and that I actually memorized. You know, if you look at it, you know, it says, I know the plans that I have for you, or other, other translations say, I know the thoughts. So either one that you read, we know that the Lord is thinking about us. We know the Lord has a plan for us. How many of you ever said or heard someone say to you, God has a plan for your life? That used to burn my butt. That was, to me, like the Christian thing, right? That's just what Christians say. There is no plan, but it sounds good, right? Michelle used to tell me all the time, well, God has a plan for your life. I remember one of her friends told her one day on the phone, it was the most absurd thing I've ever heard in my entire life. She got off the phone and she said, my friend Carrie just told me the reason you're going through so much drama and trial and hardship is you're going to be a pastor someday. And I just, I thought that was the most absurd thing I've ever heard in my life. It was ridiculous. That's another thing you just say, right? It sounded good. Well, and I think I've said this before, the day that I was ordained, um, I didn't know that I was being ordained. I had no clue. Michelle didn't know. Um, but I left here and stopped at a gas station to get gas at 7-Eleven down the street. And I pull up to get out of my car, and who goes walking by the front of my car? Carrie. And I said, Carrie, you're never going to believe what happened. She goes, did you get ordained today? It's like, I did. She said, I knew it. By that time, I believed that God had a plan for my life. But let's look at that verse. It says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, are the thoughts, plans of evil, to give you a future of goodness, not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, that all sounds good, but let's look at what's going on in the picture. Who is he talking to? He is talking to a people group that are in captivity, right? They were told, if you don't follow me, if you don't serve me, if you don't quit living for yourself, you are going to be taken away in captivity by the Babylonians. So I want you to look at your life. How many times did someone tell you that if you don't change your ways or your directions, you're going to go to jail? Are you going to lose your job? Are you going to lose your family? Are you going to be homeless? Anybody in here? Right? Pretty much all of us, right? I remember a few weeks ago, I said, how many people in here have been in jail? And I think two people were like, I got pulled over once, you know? But the, the thing I love about this group of people is we have been there. We have been down the hard road. We have lived the hard, we've lived the hard life. But we're receiving the grace and mercy of Christ. And so we're grateful for that. That's why when when we're singing, I look around and so many people have their hands raised out of gratitude and thankfulness to be 
near a holiday and have people around you that love you, that support you, that care what happens to you, that want to see you be successful. But think about that. If they do that, how much more does the Lord? I mean, the Lord is saying, I, I, I know that I have plans for you. I'm going on Thursday with Bob to the county jail, and we're going to hound out, I don't know, 10,000 pieces of candy. I don't know. A lot of candy, right? And when we hand out candy in the jail, they're thankful, right? They want prayer. They start missing their family. They want to be at home. But I can still feel comfortable telling them, I know, that the, I know the plans that the Lord has for you, that they're of good and not evil, that he wants for you a future and a hope. Now, we, in the book of Romans, we were talking about consequences versus condemnation. Now, what the people in jail are facing, they're facing the consequence of a bad choice or a bad decision. They're not condemned. There is still hope. There is still a future. Those are the people that God wants to reach. They're the people that he wants to redeem. And we walk into some of these pods that some of the most hardened gangsters, murderers, thieves, habitual criminals that line up in their bunk, take the piece of candy, and they say, will you pray for us? And we get to go around and pray for all of these people. It, it's a life changer. It changes, it changes everything about you. Seeing that many people, it reminds me of Monday nights here. The gratitude that we have toward Christ. Now, the sad part of the story is, is if you're in jail and you're hearing somebody say, hey, the Lord, has a, he, he thinks about you. He, he loves you. He has a, a plan for you. He, he has a, a, a future and a hope. You're probably thinking, then good, then get me out of here, right? If he loves me so much, then why doesn't he, you know, why doesn't somebody, let somebody bail me out, you know, dismiss my charges. But the people he's talking to, they still have many, 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 I think 70 more years in captivity. But then, does that mean the Lord doesn't love you? It doesn't mean that the Lord isn't thinking about you. He's not praying for you. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have a future for you. But what we have to do is get out and we have to commit. I was listening to this pastor talk this morning on the way in. He gave this really interesting analogy. He was talking about commitment. Now, if y'all want to change your life, you have to commit to a process. So the bridge is a year-long residential program, and Mark was our house manager for seven years. And when the new people would come in, he would sit down with them and he would say, you have to trust the process. You have to buy in to the process. Not part of it, all of it. The whole thing. It's like if you're a baker and you put a, a, a cake in the oven, how good is that cake going to be after 20 minutes? Not very good. It's still going to be dough. Right? If you want a good piece of cake, you have to leave it in the oven for the full recommended time because chefs and bakers got together, they created this recipe, and they baked it probably thousands of times until they found the perfect length of time 
matched with a perfect amount of heat to give you the perfect slice of cake. You know, we feel like we have a formula for the perfect amount of time, the perfect amount of stuff so that you will leave at the end of your time and be successful. That you have to commit, and what this gentleman was talking about this pastor this morning, he was talking about the stars and the vastness of the universe, and he was saying that if you decided today, hey, when I sit in my hot tub at night, I look up at the stars. I know some of them are close, some of them are really far. If you were to look at the closest star in the sky, and you said to yourself, hey, I want to commit to going to that star, and you were able to find a decommissioned spaceship, and you were able to get it all fixed up, and you were able to launch it, you were able to get into outer space, you would be traveling about 17,500 miles an hour, and you would be headed toward that star. So now, if you really want to get to that star, the commitment to get to the closest star is 220,000 years traveling at 17,500 miles an hour. So now, how many of you in here want to sign up for that? Right? 200,000 years. None of us. So, but are you willing to commit to the length of time it's going to take to change your life? Because believe you me, it is far less than 220,000 years. But if you want to talk about 220,000 years, that's not even a drop in a bucket towards what eternity is. Because what you're doing now with your life and your future is you, if you have not made a confession of faith and you are not living for Christ, you're gambling with that time. Because what are you going to do for an eternity if you're not with Christ? So what are you willing to commit to? What are you willing to be on board for and be willing to stick it out, good or bad? You know, when, you, when people get married, they say, you know, I'm going to be doing a wedding in July sometime, right? Do we have a date yet? July what? July 22nd. So, so. But when you do a wedding, you ask the couples together and individually, are you willing to make this commitment? Because it's not always going to be fun. You know, it's not always going to be a picnic. It's not always going to be a cakewalk, right? There is going to be disagreements, right? There is going to be times of trial, and hardship, and sickness, because we're, we all sign on for the good stuff, right? right? We all want to go to Disneyland, but we, all, we don't always want to wait in line for the ride, right? So we have to make that commitment. So when a couple gets married, the question to that couple is, are you willing to commit for the whole ride, right? Because there is no getting off early. I mean, if the ride breaks down, you're still there. If it's no fun, you're still there. If it's great fun, you're still there. And you have to decide if you're going to commit to that marriage as long as, as long as you both are alive. And so if you've made a commitment to your sobriety or to your family or your children that I am genuinely going to change, you need to enter into a commitment or a covenant 
Like, no, that, this is what I'm going to do. I know it's going to take a while. I know I have to be patient. I know I have to be on board. I know I have to trust the process. And I know that I need to do that. Because if you go back to Jeremiah, you know, the Lord is saying, I know, I know that I have plans for you, but are you going to allow them to happen? Or are you going to keep getting in the way? Because who gets in the way? Right? And you want to know why God doesn't tell you what the plan is? Anybody tell me? You would do what? Absolutely. God would say he would lay out this whole plan, and you would just blow it. So he gives it to us as we can handle. Sometimes a moment at a time. Sometimes we, we can say we have a moment of clarity. right? I can, I can see what God is doing in my life now. We say as a Christian that we're bearing fruit in our lives. And you can see that because when somebody comes out of jail or prison and they get sober and they start following Christ and all of a sudden there's like really good things happening. You know, their family is talking to them again. They get to see their kids or their grandkids. They, they just seem to be blessed. People like give them stuff and help them and want to mentor them and give them rides and take them places and, and show them love and cook stuff for them and make them jelly and cookies and I mean... I have brought so much stuff into the house of the residents in the last week just from people in the church saying, hey, I baked you some cookies or I made you some jelly or because people want to love on us because they see the commitment, they see the hard work that we're doing and they want to be a part of that blessing that God is bestowing upon you because they see that God has a plan for your life and they want to be a part of it. They want to be a part of that blessing. Doesn't it feel good? Like, I know that the, the, the residents, they got here early this morning, like 8 o'clock this morning, and they spent the entire day making tamales, right? So now, I got the first three tamales. So, so for me, that was a joy. But nothing compared to the joy that I saw on their faces as they were serving them. See what I'm saying? Because that's when you get to see your hard work pay off in joy in somebody else's life. So how do you think God feels? Look at that smile on Chelsea's face, right? Or Terry or Mike, you know? I cannot tell you how many... When Mike came into the bridge, our connection was running, right? I can't even tell you how many... Five o'clock mornings were in that one year. And how many, probably thousands of miles that we ran so we could connect and we could talk, right? So getting up at those five o'clock mornings, they were hard, right? They were hard because you could, you could get up at five o'clock in the morning and you're going to talk about this run all week and you could meet up at five and you could say, oh, it's cold. Oh, okay, well, let's go home. You know, and it, like in an instant, it's over. Starbucks, Starbucks yeah. <laughs> but what I'm saying is I, I never imagined during any of those runs that this many years later that I would still be friends with, I would be friends with him and his wife, right? That they would both eventually work for the bridge, you know? I, how would I know that? I just committed to every morning, one morning at a time, 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 and it turned into something. 
So when God is pouring into your life, sometimes it's just one morning at a time, one day at a time. Your mentor is talking to you. Ernst is talking to you. It's just one day at a time, one little, one little morsel at a time. And then before you know it, many, many, 14 years have passed, you know? That was one of Hector's biggest fears about getting out of prison is like, who's going to hire me, Mike? Mike, who's going to hire me? Who's going to hire me with 14 felonies? Who? Who? You know what I'm saying? Right? How many of you have filled out that dreaded job application? Have you ever been convicted of a felony? Uh, convicted? Uh, convicted or dismissed? Right? You start to reason with those things, right? Because we don't, we don't, but it's like, then it's in your face. It's like, it's right there. I'm like, 14 is a lot. Right? But to now be working for USPS, like you said, working for the federal government all of these years later, but I do got to talk to you, Hector, because my visa card never showed up at my house. It's lost. Oh, it's lost in the mail. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Michelle has it. Oh, yeah. Anyway. So whether you're going to the nearest star or whether tonight is your first night as being a believer or you accepted Christ in the last year, the last six months, if you're currently in the bridge men's home or women's home or you just come to this meeting to support a loved one, are you coming to support yourself? You have to decide if you're worth the commitment, if you're going to do this all the way. Because we all, we, all want, we all want something in our life to be different, don't we? Right? And there are no quick fixes. There aren't. I've read every, like Austin and I talk every time, you know, we're both looking for that. I want to wake up in the morning and take a pill and be skinny <laughs> and eat all the popcorn I want. All the tamales, all the pie, all the clam dip, all the tri-tip, right? I'm getting you in all kinds of thrill, aren't I? Korean barbecue, Korean barbecue? amen. Um, well, let's go! Um, so, but the reality is, if I want to live the lifestyle of eating the things that I want to eat, there's going to be some work involved on my part to stay healthy. If I want to live a faith-filled, Christ-filled, Christ-centered life, I have to put in the work. I have, to, I have to make sure that I'm behaving and acting in a way that is worthy of that title. I have to make sure that I'm a good representation of, of like Bob said, the title Christian. You know, I have to make sure that I am willing to to look at myself and my attitude. And I have to be willing to say some days, you know what, hey, I'm sorry, I was just in a bad mood. Or I was wrong. Or how can I help you? Or what can I do for you? We have to be willing to give of ourselves. We have to be selfless. To be a Christian is to be Christ-like. And if you've read the Bible, you're, that's a pretty tall order, right? And we're not going to get there, but it's sure fun to be on that journey. Because it's sure fun to be involved in somebody's life, whether it's getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning and running, 
or sitting down and reading the Bible with him or going on a diet with him or, or doing premarital counseling with him or having him just involved in your life, you know? The bridge over all these years has become a family. You know, Michelle and I have thousands of family members out there that we, that we love. Not all of them are successful. Many, many have died because addiction is an awful, horrible thing from the pit of hell. But so many, many more have been successful. And the thing that we see in the people that are successful is they have a faith, a true faith. They stay connected. They've made the commitment. They're willing to spend the 202,000 years to get to that nearest star, right? But that's what we have to do to get, we have to be willing to make that commitment, make those hard choices, and continue walking in that faith, you know? People that are in jail, if they're still doing their sentence, their sentence will end, you'll eventually get out, and you'll eventually get the opportunity to do something new all over again and start that new life, you know? The Lord has a plan for your life, and it's not to be homeless, and it's not to live in your car, and it's not to be incarcerated, and it's not to die alone in some alley or in Chinatown, you know? It's not to be separated from your family, because that's painful, especially around the holidays, you know what I mean? I'm separated from my family. I'm in rehab again. You know, if you're in rehab today, I will tell you the most peaceful times in my life were on a holiday when I knew my dad was in rehab, because I didn't have to worry on Thanksgiving morning or Christmas morning was he going to die of an overdose, or was he going to have a seizure in the city park and die, or was he going to freeze to death under a freeway bridge? So if you're in program and you have family, that's a time you need to just dig in. Give them the day of freedom. Give them the day of peace, because they know that you're safe. They know that you're cared for, and it's a day they don't have to worry about you, you know? Think about somebody else for a change. But addiction is such a selfish thing because it's all about how I feel and about what I need. It's the me, me, me syndrome, right? But during this holiday, just really this season, just think about where do I want to be in my life, right? Where do I want to be next Christmas? Do I want to be in here with a year sober or 15 years sober or 16 years sober or 20 years sober? Or I want to be back... Think about waking up tomorrow morning. I want you to think about this. Think about waking up tomorrow morning in your cell and having Bob walk in to bring somebody a Bible, and you, he, you lock eyes with him, and he says, didn't I just see you at Regen last night? Wouldn't that be awful? That would be horrible. You would be like hiding under your bunk, right? Eventually, he would run into him, Right? But we don't need the shame of that. And we don't have to have that happen. We have the opportunity to do something different. Like I say all the time, if you're sitting here tonight, you've been given that opportunity. Please, please, please do something different. Amen? So I'm going to invite Bob back up. And we are going to close the evening the same way we started it. Amen. So I want to I thank all of the, the worship team. You guys are so awesome. 
I want you guys to think about it. We, we, a recovery ministry, have one of the best worship teams anywhere, right? And Greg Miller, you need to save that outfit for 70s night. Our disco night, I'm not sure which one. So, Lord, thank you for coming and dying, Lord. Thank you for loving us and caring about us, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity of another day sober. Thank you for those who joined you today in your kingdom, Lord. So we thank you for the ones that made a choice tonight to follow you. So we thank you, we praise you in Jesus' precious and holy name.